Welcome to our Very Done podcast. My name is Leanne D'Angelo, and I'm a senior manager with the Healthcare Practice Group, specializing in compliance, credentialing, and consulting. My background is in working with providers, specifically physicians, surgeons, nurses, and behavioral health professionals in a variety of settings, including health systems, hospitals, private practices, and FQHCs. Today, I will be talking with Vienna Morrill. She is a senior manager and leads the well-being consulting practice. Vienna combines over a decade of management consulting experience with a deep interest in human potential and well-being to help organizations achieve their business goals. Well-being is not a one-size-fits-all equation, and she works collaboratively with leaders, managers, and staff to develop practical action plans and navigate change that supports the people and the organization. When I was listening to one of Vienna's previous podcasts and considering what is currently happening in the healthcare industry, specifically with provider burnout and staff shortages, it seemed to be an easy matchup that we would come together to discuss well-being programs and what place they may have in the healthcare setting. Healthcare by its mere definition is the organized provision of medical care to individuals or a community, which generally has been thought of as physical health. But that definition has been broadened to include mental health, social health, and workplace well-being. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Welcome, Vienna. Thanks, Leanne. It's great to be here. What exactly is a well-being program? And how does Barry Dunn support those initiatives? All right. That's a great place to start. So um, for a long time now that I've been doing this work, I would start by introducing well-being programs as the next evolution of wellness programs. Wellness programs have been a lot around for a long time. Um, recently, I've been rethinking how I introduced that just because I think that well-being is so much more than um, a wellness program ever was intended to be. Well-being, really what it comes down to is how do we create the conditions for thriving employees because thriving employees make thriving organizations. So well-being, um, it's, it's both personal and it's professional, and it's a reflection of how you think and feel about your life. So there's, you know, your physical vitality certainly has a role in that, and that's where we're in the traditional wellness program um, uh, space. But then you think about other elements that contribute to thinking and feeling good about your life, your social connectedness, your sense of value and how you contribute to the world. Um, and this can be, you know, giving back just by, you know, supporting your family, um, being active in your community, but also certainly how you contribute value in the workplace. Um, financial security plays into well-being. And also, of course, um, something that's been talked about a lot lately is your mental health and resilience. Um, so well-being programs, are, they're not just the programs, the resources, and the benefits that support well-being, but they're also the culture and the work environment. So what, are the, what does the organization do to support behavioral norms and workplace practices that shape behaviors and enable people to be well? So why do they matter? You know, why, why should employees care about whether or not their organization has a well-being program or system or anything? I mean, isn't it each person's responsibility to, to stay healthy, to, to maintain their well-being, physical, mental, and so forth? 
Definitely. So I'm going to start with your last question first and then work my way backwards. So I would say that, yes, absolutely. Well-being is ultimately a personal responsibility. At the same time, um, we've known for a long time now that the well-being of whether it's an individual level or the well-being of communities is influenced by a lot of environmental factors. And where is one of the places that we spend the most of our t- most of our time is, of course, the workplace. So employers certainly don't have your employer is not directly responsible um, for your health. However, they are responsible um, and increasingly so for creating the conditions that allow you to be well and empower you know empower you to make decisions that support your health throughout different stages of your life and your career. Um, You know, another thing you said, you know, why do they matter and why should employers care? I've heard recently um, the term used that we're in this fourth industrial revolution right now. Um, Technology advances are just really just changing the landscape of work and what it means to be um, both an employee and a consumer. We're more t- connected than ever before. There's more technology, more automation, um, but that comes with challenges. And at the same time, as we are more connected than ever, we're also lonelier than ever. Um, 40% of Americans are lonely right now, and that's doubled since the 1980s. Um, you add all this this rapid change to a pandemic, we have economic uncertainty, there's social unrest, um, just changing work norms with people being either in the office, hybrid or fully working from anywhere. Um, and there's just, there's a lot of pressure on employees, but there's also a lot of opportunity happening right now. Um, so as the nature of work changes, I think that it's just really important for organizations to take that step back and remember to um, invest in the human. You know, the human factor is just so important throughout throughout all of this. Even as we find ways to use technology to, um, you know, improve the way that we do business and create efficiencies. You know, it can get really we can get really excited about all those things, but those things don't work effectively if we don't have. Um, engaged employees um, who feel like they can show up and do their best work every day. So I think well-being is definitely becoming not, it's not just the nice thing to do for your employees. It's not just a perk to offer to recruit and retain. It's also a, a performance decision. Like you want to have a high performing workplace, you need to be taking care of the well-being of your people. And if you want to continue to innovate in the future, um, you know, it's going to, Innovation is going to change what it means to be a human being in the workplace. And we're going to have to help people dig deeper and, and you know, really be their best in, in order to find ways to continue to um, contribute value. And I think that it's a really exciting time. Um, and we just need to continue to be forward thinking um, on both the technology side and the human side. I think our leaders here, even at Barry Dunn, have acknowledged that. You know, I know that you and I both participated yesterday in what they call the water cooler chat, right? We haven't, we don't get to just walk by the office. We don't get to walk down the hall and see each other. Um, and while that 
you know, some, some employers are like, oh, this is great. There's less quote unquote socializing going on. That 20 minutes of socializing and the conversation we had yesterday with nine of our other peers and colleagues truly left me personally refreshed for the rest of the afternoon. You know, it was not a work topic. I connected with people I normally wouldn't see and quite honestly surprised myself at what a big difference that made for the rest of my afternoon. So I I know that it, that is one example of what we're doing here at Barry Dunn. Vienna, what are you seeing that's different in your line of work today, say even from five years ago? I'd say the biggest shift is something that we've already touched upon a little bit. And that's that shift um, from wellness to well-being. And it's just been, it's it's been immense. So well-being programs in many cases have replaced wellness programs. Um, so I do think it's appropriate to continue to connect them, but they are just, there's so much more than those traditional wellness programs uh, were. And I think leading that is a focus on mental health and mental well-being. Um, you know, we talk at Barry Dunn, we usually talk about five dimensions of well-being. And, and there, there are so many different dimensions um, that are possible, but the ones that we typically come back to are physical, mental, social, financial, and career. And I really don't like to say that any one is more important than the other because they are so interconnected, but really like mental health um, lately has just been, we've been very challenged in the mental health space. There's decreasing stigma around mental health. So I think a lot of the mental health challenges that were always there are coming to the surface more um, and organizations are recognizing that and also recognizing that even though they know it's important, they're not quite equipped yet to know what to do with that and how do we navigate that. So I do see a lot of emphasis on um, the broader definition of well-being, the focus on mental health, and the recognition that you can't just do, um, you can't just operate a well-being program out of human resources. This isn't just pro like benefits. This is much bigger than that. And the whole, you really need to get the whole organization on board. This is very much a change management initiative for many organizations as much as it is a, um, you know, specific, um, you know, HR initiative or um, just a program that's being implemented. So if I was listening to this podcast and I didn't work at Barry Dunn, what would you recommend to me as a staff member who's listening and saying, wow. I really wish we had a well-being program at my organization. What would you What would you recommend they do? Yeah, um, it's a great question, and I think you know a great place to start. And it depends on the organization, right? So a lot of organizations do have some sort of wellness program in place, and if you have that wellness program, that can be a great wedge in the door um, to start the conversation. So figure, so assuming that you do have some sort of wellness program in place, um, a good place to start is to start talking to the people who lead that program, whether it's a committee or an individual who is responsible. And most likely, if this is somebody who's passionate about wellness, they too have seen this shift from wellness to well-being. Um, the other thing I would suggest is finding somebody on your leadership team who um, who this resonates with, find yourself a sponsor, 
Um, that's going to be really important. That's actually how we started our well-being journey at Barry Dunn. Um, my boss for many, for the past 15 years now, um, he's, he's worked with me for a long time and, um, you know, knew that this was something that was very important for, to me. And, you know, I would always talk about well-being and wellness. And, you know, one day he approached me and said, you know, how would you like to transform Barry Dunn's wellness program into a well-being program? And we were able to get um, our chief administrative officer on board. And that was just essential, having that that leadership support. Um, and we were able to co- communicate it out and um, get buy-in from there. So I'd say getting that sponsor um, is a great first step to doing this. Great. Yeah. Getting, getting leadership to really see the, the value um, in supporting its employees in a different way. The world is definitely a different place than it was even five years ago. We are working differently. There, I don't think anyone could argue that. So that's a yeah. great point. And I'll just say that well-being, in my experience, is something that resonates so deeply with people who believe in it, that once you start talking about it with them, it's pretty easy to, there's not a lot of resistance. So you just really need to find that right, that right person to connect with um, and go from there. Yeah. And we're seeing that in healthcare as well. I mean, we, we are shifting the way we care and see patients. Um, we are fortunate, if you will, that the pandemic, while very challenging and horrible in many ways, also brought out brought out many good things, such as the um, acknowledgement and changes in payment reform related to telemedicine, which has really opened up the door for not only mental well-being, but even medical well-being. Um, the majority of clients I'm working with now are using telemedicine in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, that, and I'd love to hear a little bit more from you. Um, as you see those changes and those innovations, telemedicine being a great example, um, have you seen any shift in the way healthcare organizations are talking about well-being? And if it's not coming up as well-being specifically, how is it showing up on the agenda? Sure, sure. Thanks. Thank you for asking, Vienna. Um, you know, in the healthcare practice group, we partner with clients to develop solutions that they need to assess and improve operational and financial performance to help them meet compliance obligations and to respond to market opportunities and market challenges. So through that alone, um, you know, we, we are focusing on what I will refer to as the business side of healthcare the regulatory aspects of healthcare. And that in turn allows the providers to focus on what they want to do, which is to care for patients. So one example I will use is that more and more we're being called in, for example, to look at um, provider agreements and provider metrics. How is their work being measured? How do they engage with providers? Specifically, I'm referring to physicians, and advanced practitioners um, in nursing. How how do we really engage with them? How do we make sure that they're not getting burnt out? What can we do to help incentivize them besides the financial aspect of those incentives to really ensure that they have time to care for themselves? Mm -hmm. You know, there is the old adage, you know, um, 
physicians, caregivers, nurses are the worst patients in the world because Mm -hmm. they're so used to taking care of others that they often put themselves last. And organizations are are seeing a lot of that. Um, We know that there's a staffing shortage out there and recruiting and keeping, um, retaining providers in this environment has become increasingly, increasingly challenging. So my hope is that through the healthcare consulting work that we do, through well-being programs, and quite frankly, even just having the conversation, again, particularly amongst providers, these were not conversations we were having 10 years ago. Um, But I think there's been enough movement and enough recognition that it's absolutely necessary that we need to pay attention to the well-being of our caregivers. Absolutely. And it's interesting, um, just this past fall, I think it was, the Surgeon General, uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy, came out with, uh, I think it's five priorities um, for 2023. And two of those priorities uh, touch directly on what we're talking about. One of them is workplace well-being, um, and the other one is healthcare worker burnout. And I do see such a direct link between the services that your team offers um, because, quite honestly, um, when we talk about burnout and well-being, sometimes the worst thing you can do is start loading on like, oh, we're going to start doing, um, you know, weekly meditations and we're going to bring on some on-site yoga classes. Basically, what you're telling people is we're going to give you some more things to do when you already can feel like you can barely keep up. So, um you know, one of the best things we can do is reduce administrative burden for these healthcare organizations. And, and that's, that's kind of the foundation of well-being. When workload exceeds capacity consistently for a long duration of time, um, that's a recipe for burnout. Um, you know, it's one thing to challenge people um, to expect a lot of your employees I think that's actually beneficial to well-being when you do that. Um, but employees are are like athletes, you know, like you take your best athletes in the world and you're going to push them to the edge and you're going to challenge them physically and mentally. But to be the best athlete in the world, you also need to be amazing at recovery. And I don't think that organizations are getting the recovery part right in a lot of cases. Um so again, just thinking about that administrative burden, I know that that's a major um, challenge for a lot of healthcare workers um, and how can we help improve that? I also know that a lot of doctors and nurses are considering resigning. Um, and at the same time, the demand and the need for healthcare workers continues to grow. Um, and it sounds like, you know, what you're talking about is also helping rethink, you know, and I think there's some regulatory changes. This is not my area of expertise, but there are regulatory changes helping this too. Like, how do you measure success in healthcare? Um, You know, is it the number of patients you see and the number of hours you work, or is it the quality of outcomes and the quality of care you're giving? Um, And that quality of outcomes and quality of care requires, you know, new skill sets, um, things like empathy and, and things that you cannot do well if you are not well yourself. Um, so I think it's just so important and there's just such a strong linkage there. Absolutely. And Vienna, while you'd mentioned, you mentioned you mentioned the administrative burden, there 
I'll add two other categories. There's the regulatory burden and the financial burden. Um, you cannot pick up a newspaper today and not see something in the news about some non-compliant regulatory or financial um, concern that someone in healthcare has gotten themselves into, either knowingly or unknowingly. And again, really fortunate that in the healthcare practice group, we help providers, health systems, and organizations address those concerns when they do arise. But again, it, it just goes to show that there is so much out there that it's just not possible for one person to keep it straight, one provider. And that's why they generally have teams of compliance people or they reach out <laughs> to uh, subject matter experts like ourselves so that we can help them tease through that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important. Um, as I said, the foundation to, to all our well-being work. Well, with that said, I have to ask you, Vienna, do you have a favorite well-being quote? Ha. So I, I can't say that I have a favorite quote, but I do, I, I'd say one that comes to mind pretty quickly for me is such a basic, simple one that probably everyone listening to this podcast has heard before, and that is that health is wealth. And I think that we can all relate to that personally, um, you know, coming out of a pandemic, probably more so than ever. Um, I don't know about you, but I had, you know, my fair share of, um, of days and weeks throughout the pandemic where I was reminded of how important health really is. Um, and I think though the organizations can adopt that, that mentality as well. And I, and when I say health, I mean it in the broadest sense of well-being. Um, uh, I really truly believe that, um, you know, the well-being of people is, is, equates directly to the well-being of organizations. And then you can take it even to the next level and saying the well-being of society as a whole. But I'd, I'd like to know what your favorite quote is, Leanne. Oh, thanks, Vienna. I, health is the new wealth. That is, that's, a, that's a really good one. I've seen that. My favorite is um, credited to Malcolm X. And the quote is, when I is replaced with we, even illness becomes wellness. I just truly believe that we can go farther, we can do better when we do it together and we have these conversations and we come together to support one another, whether it be in an organization, in a community, it doesn't matter, but we can definitely replace we to make wellness. I love that. You know, next time I get asked that question on a podcast, I might steal that from you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll let you. That's fine. <laughs> Great. Is there anything else that we didn't touch upon today, Vienna, that you'd like to have our listeners hear? You know, I'm sure that something will come to mind to, you know, 10, 15 minutes after we, we end our conversation. But I think this has been an excellent um, discussion. I think there's so much to talk about in the healthcare space, specifically when it comes to well-being. I would just put it out there that if we do have any listeners that are, are starting a well-being journey or interested in learning more, um, they can certainly reach out directly to me. I'm always happy to have a conversation. Um, I love talking about this stuff. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. Fantastic. And Vienna, how can our listeners reach you? Um, probably the easiest way is to email me. And that's just vmoral, V-M-O-R-R-I-L-L -L at barrydone.com. I'm sure we can put it in some show notes or something. Um, 
either that or, or give me a call. Um, you can find me at Barry Dunn. Great. Vienna, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great talking with you and I know we will continue the conversation. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Leanne.